Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Let's get into this this morning. So, on the note of Father's Day, I thought that I would uh, just share a little quick story, a nice little father-son outing I had with my dad a long time ago as it pertains to what we're going to talk about today. So, years and years ago, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm uh, originally from Louisiana, way down south, a little town called uh, Lafayette, about uh, just a few hours uh, just before where the land meets the Gulf of Mexico, all right? So, uh, generally speaking, if we were going to take a family vacation, then Florida was going to be where we were going to head because it wasn't too far away. And uh, for a couple of years, um, we had a, um, a wave runner. Anybody ever had like that before? Personal watercraft, wave runner, you know, things, you know, get in the water, you know, have all kinds of fun. Four-wheeler in the water, right? Lots of fun. Well, we had one for a little while, and on that, this particular year, we were like, hey, you know, we've got it. Why don't we bring it with us to Florida, see if we can have some fun? And uh, the uh, hotel that we were staying at was on like a, a strip that kind of jutted out. We had to go over a bridge to get to it. And so, uh, you know, you had the series of hotels all down the beach and the land. And so on one side, there was like a sound, you know, kind of like a bay, a sound. And then on the other side was, of course, the gulf. And so where we were staying kind of had um, looks on both sides. You know, you could see the bay, the sound, or you could see the gulf. And, um, you know, we, for a few days down there on the, the, the sound, had a, uh, a boat launch. And so that's where we went, and we would launch the Wave Runner. And we were like, you know, a couple of days, we were like, oh, this is fun. This is good, you know. But then we'd go over to the beach, and we'd see these big waves, and we were like, oh, you know, that'd be kind of fun, you know, to, to get the Wave Runner out over here and have some fun ripping up in the surf there. And uh, we were like, you know what? We're going to make this happen. <sighs> but there was no boat launch on the, uh, on the Gulf side. And that, that should have given us a clue right then and there. Um, but, you know, father-son time, right? And so we were bound and determined to make this happen. So I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen this before, but um, we rented essentially what was basically a roller lift for this thing that has these big, huge... Uh, tires that can roll in the sand, and then they float in the water, and it's got like two uh, huge racks, and so you would roll that up to your trailer, you would push the personal watercraft off of it onto this thing, and you would roll it down into the water. Sounds easy enough, right? Because it was getting it into the water, right? You know, a little bit of struggle, you know, we got to kind of push and back it off, but we were, you know, we kind of backed it up to the edge of the public beach, and it was good, and got on there okay, we got it down the beach, got it in the water, and, uh, you know, we jumped on it and rolled around, and we were on vacation, we were having fun, and that was good for about an hour, and then we were like, yay, what do we do with this thing? <laughs> so, uh, we found a big log on the beach, and we kind of just got a rope, and we tied it off, and we went back up to our... Um, balcony and spent the rest of the day just kind of hanging out and looking out over at it and we could see the waves like occasionally you know just grabbing at it and pulling at it and the log was gone and we're like I guess we ought to go get that thing before it becomes a permanent fixture in the Gulf of Mexico and this is where the fun begins so um, again you have to take this thing and you have to shove these big tires that are designed to float down into the water so that you can push the wave runner on it right which was difficult enough and, um, you know, after a good bit of struggling, my father and I, we finally got it on there. So, you know, there was struggle bus part one. 
And then the next uh, trip that we took on the struggle bus was getting it up this incline in the beach because it was a whole lot easier pushing it down than it was pushing it back up. Anybody following me? So this is not exactly, you know, huge boat it is not, but light little fun toy it is not either. So, you know, we're giving it our all and, you know, hands shaking and, uh, you know, legs just burning and everything. And we, we, we realize as we approach our trailer the huge task that is before us because when we get to the trailer, here's the trailer and here's the Wave Runner. Making sense? So all of a sudden we realize We've got to lift this thing up and get it back on a trailer. And we cannot push it now. We couldn't drive onto the beach. And so we tried and we tried and we tried. And after struggling with this thing, finally some guys came and took pity on us. And we lifted it. Scratches all over our wave runner trying to get this thing and falling off. And we broke one of our trailer supports. But doggone it, we had fun. <laughs> Needless to say, it was a task that maybe wasn't the most advised. In fact, it was probably ill-advised, but it was something that we wanted to do, and it was something that my father and I did, and even though the task nearly finished us, when we got back up to our room completely exhausted, we were able to tell my mother, the task is finished. But as we kind of just, you know, look at the quick lesson that we learned from there, I would like to key off on some things that Pastor Quentin spoke about last week regarding simple obedience by talking about finishing, all right? Now, there are things in life, and we know this, that we are being called to do by our Heavenly Father, right? And if you haven't been yet, stick around, keep listening, because He's going to ask you to do something if you have any interest in serving the kingdom at all. He is going to ask you to do something. And so we know that there are things that God wants us to do for Him. There are things that He has called us to do for Him, things that you and you alone can do, things that he has put you on this earth specifically to do, purposes and plans and destinies and the path that you have walked in this life, things that he wants you to do. But we cannot complete those things without first taking the first step, which we talked about last week, which is walking in obedience, right? We say, God, I hear what you're saying. I recognize you're telling me to do something, and I have to make the choice to be obedient and begin that process, right? So it starts with obedience. But if we're going to find ourselves in a place to bring that task through to completion, we have to finish. And sometimes, for many different reasons, we can find ourselves after a while in a place where we might have trouble finishing what we started. Has anybody ever been there before? All right? So why is it important? Why is it important for us to finish? Why is it so important for us to finish what we started? Well, finishing what we know we are supposed to start is important because it shows the character of God in us. You know why? Because God finishes what He starts. The God of this universe, the God that we serve, we even said it last week. Or Pastor Quentin said it last week in his message. God doesn't do anything halfway. The miracles that he wants. He doesn't just, you know, heal half of a blind man. He doesn't just give him half of one of the legs to walk back on. God does things completely. God finishes what he starts. And so when we finish what he has us start, it shows through us the character of God because God finishes what he starts. Let's see the precedent. First chapter or first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 say this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. 
On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. And we are so grateful for that because we get to be in it today. So he rested from all of his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. How many of you know if God was in the habit of not finishing what he started, we wouldn't even be here today, right? All right. So we see that it starts. The pattern of finishing well starts with God, and then he sent his son to earth. We sang about that. We've talked about it, and Jesus carried on that pattern. Jesus carried the same spirit in the book of John chapter 4, verse 34. It says, then Jesus explained my nourishment. In other words, what literally sustains me, right? My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus was literally nourished. He was literally strengthened by finishing. You know, a lot of times we can go through experiences and we're like, you know, let's, let's just be honest. A lot of the things that we've gone through, there's so much to be gleaned, right, through experience, right? If we do something, if we learn a lesson, if we embark on something, we can look back on it and we can go, you know what, man, I really learned a lot. Anybody ever been there before? And we can say it's part of the process and it really is. But until you completely take that process through to completion, you don't have that sense of accomplishment, has anybody ever just, something was just dogging you, man? It was just something you were setting out to do. Maybe it was a project in your backyard or a project vehicle or something else like that, and it was just dogging you. And every time you walked out the front door, every time you woke up in the morning, you're like, man, I've got to get that finished. I've got to get that finished. And then when you were done, you literally said, yes, I am done. Anybody ever been there, right? There's a sense of accomplishment that comes with putting the proverbial period on the end of a sentence. And that's what Jesus said. Yes, I do the work of my Father. I go, but it literally nourishes me to bring it through to completion. So God started it. Jesus established it. And then Paul continued the pattern as an example for us to follow today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, As for me, this is Paul talking to, <clears throat> excuse me, talking to Timothy. He says, My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. This is Paul at the end of his life just telling Timothy, he's like, look, man, I have poured everything out, all right? I have spent the last, again, proverbial scent that I have of my life for the kingdom of God. My life has been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. May we be able to say the same thing at the end of our life, Amen. God, may we be able to say the same thing about our lives whenever we get to the end. God, I have done everything I can. I don't know if all of it was right, but I have spent every last bit of myself that I can. And God, I am coming in, not looking all pretty and polished, but Lord, I am coming in well-worn and used for your kingdom. I have finished my race. So we see that's a great example. Started with God, established by Jesus, carried out through his disciples, and now it's an example for us, okay? So that's why it's so important for us to finish. It's the it literally is the character of God. So what happens, though? What happens whenever we finish things? Well, one of the first things that happens, when you finish something, it shows value. That project that I just mentioned a second ago, that thing that was dogging you, the thing that you just couldn't get peace in your mind until you were done with, it might not be valuable to anybody else, but it's valuable to you, right? 
How many of you guys have ever worked on like a, like a project car before, something or restored something, maybe a piece of furniture or something like that, okay? Somebody might look at that and go, oh, man, that's a really nice car. And you go, man, you don't know what I've been through to get that thing to this place. You don't know the time that I've spent. You don't know the energy that I've put into that. You have no idea the blood, the sweat. That, come on, man, can you give me a little bit more than that? Okay, it's a really nice car. Okay, thanks, man. All right, you know. Or, you know, hey, that's a, that's a really nice piece of furniture. Oh, my goodness. No, this is like I got this from, I got this from my great-grandmother. It was like it went through all of these things, and I took it, and I lovingly, I, I, I cared for it. I, 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 you know, I took it, and I stripped it, and I brought it back down to, like, bare wood, and then I, I, I poured every, every spare moment I had into restoring this. Oh, okay. You know, because sometimes we don't always know the process of what it takes to finish something. But whenever we do, we know what value it holds, right? Whenever we really put ourselves to something, we're like, you know, not just some haphazard little task like, oh, I guess I'm going to go cut the yard today. But even doing that, okay, you know, because for me, sometimes it's a struggle just to get my yard cut. Can I get an amen? All right. But, you know, I come out at the end of it sweaty. I walk in the house and I go, I'm finished. Crown me. And then my wife just rolls her eyes at me, you know, that kind of thing. But you know why? Because it is valuable to have a well-kept yard. It is something that we enjoy. You know, sometimes you can let it get away from you. You're like, oh, my goodness. Ah, you know, why? Because it's, it might be a small thing, but to you, it's your home. And it makes it valuable to you to have it looking better. That piece of furniture, that car, maybe you inherited it from a, a great uncle or a father or a grandfather. It's valuable to you. You know the process, and when you've completed it, you know the true value of start to finish. How much more so does a father whenever he looks at us? And on that note, with it being Father's Day, I don't want to say this, and I don't want this to come off as a, like a, a, re, a rebuke or anything. This is just a reminder to us dads today to always remember this. And if you're not a dad yet, one day you will be, so take this to mind, okay? Um, when Jesus showed the value of his father, let me give you a, um, a note here, and then we're going to read a scripture verse. So this is for dads, all right? Some of those projects that we've talked about might have been things for your children, Okay? When we finish things for our family's sake, that's another way that we show them that they are valuable. Let's keep that in mind, dads. Unkept promises, half done projects, saying one thing and doing another. Sometimes we may not mean it in, in any way bad, but if we make sure that we establish something where we don't finish the things that we tell our kids that we're going to finish, sometimes it can show just the opposite. When we finish things for our family's sake, we show to our family, we show to our children just how valuable they are. Amen? Let's keep that in mind. In the book of John, chapter 17, 1 through 4, it says this. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you've given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Verse 4, and this is the point, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. See, Jesus showed the value of the Father through completing the task he had been asked to accomplish, and he also showed us that he valued what his Father said. 
So dads, one more thing. If we want our children to value what we say, let's follow this example and remember to show them how valuable they are to us. Amen? So that's one thing that happens when we finish. It shows value. The completed task shows value, whether it's that the task itself was valuable or the person that you did it for was valuable. It shows a value. The next thing is this. It opens up resources for something else. So in Pastor Quentin's message last week, one of the things that he said was, many times God will not give us the next thing to do until we are obedient to finish the thing that he gave us before. Right? Anybody remember that? So that flows right in line with today. All right? We cannot sometimes expect to go on to the next thing until we have completed the thing that we have to do first. And one of the reasons for this is, firstly, to be fully obedient, we must do all that He asked of us. We just said it. God doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do a half healing. He doesn't do a half work. God does things completely. So if we're going to be fully obedient, then we have to be fully completed in the task that He gives us to do. So that's the first thing. But in a more of a practical sense, secondly, if we have not finished the task given to us, we might not have everything we need available to us to move on to the next task. Does that make sense? If you have things that you are doing right here, and there's a task that you are trying to accomplish, and you know that you have something waiting for you over here, but you need five or seven things, okay? Let's go back to the idea of the project. If there's something that I'm trying to work on here, and I have to start working on this, and I know this has to be accomplished, but until I'm finished with this, I have all my resources, I have all my tools tied up in this first project, and I can't move on because I need everything that I'm working on here to get this task accomplished, and I can't take these resources and move them on until I'm done here. Does that make sense? So when we find ourselves in a place where we might be maybe dragging our feet a little bit, okay? We know that God's called us to do something, and we've embarked off on it, and maybe we're, you know, we're, we're putting a little bit into doing what he's asked us to do, but maybe we know we're not getting it done. Maybe we're not putting our whole self into it. What we're doing is we can literally be tying up resources for the next thing that God wants to do in our lives because they're still tied up in the thing that he's doing right here. I'll give you guys an example. When my son was being born, my first son, we had, we had a home that we had bought. We were living in an apartment, but we knew we wanted to raise him in a home. And so we signed on the dotted line. We closed on a house, and it needed a lot of work. And we knew that Andrew was going to be born soon. And so we were under the gun, okay? We had, you know, we had three weeks until his due date. And so what we did was I had, you know, my father-in-law and a couple of my brothers-in-law, they worked in construction, and so we all just kind of like joined in as a family, and we put in every night, every night for those three weeks straight. We're doing, you know, tearing out walls and putting in new fixtures and painting because the house needed a lot of work, right? And I remember my, my dad came over a few nights, and he was working, and it's not that I was like, we got to get this done, we got to get this done. I wasn't like any one in particular, but I was looking over all the different things we had to do. Again, we've talked about it. Several times now in the message, projects, you have punch lists, you have things you need to get done, right? And I'm just like, we got to get this, we got to get this. And my dad was just trying to kind of like calm me down a little bit. And he was like, Tom, really, like, come on, man, like, calm down, it's going to be okay. And I was like, you don't understand. See, my wife and her sisters all had a very well-documented history of going early, okay, having the babies early. And so we were planning that that was going to happen. And um, so I'll never forget it. 
we worked like all we could. And I was like, you don't understand, Dad. Andrew's going to come, and like we have, to, we have to be ready. We have to be ready. He's like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, I know, I know, but we, we've, we've got to get this done. And so we got the house finished. We, you know, went through all of the, you know, night after night after night, and I was so grateful for my family helping. And then we had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We got everything out of our apartment. We brought it into the house. We unpacked everything. And guys, I will never forget this. On the, la- on the Sunday night, I unpacked the last box, and I literally did this kind of jokingly, but I did it symbolically, and I was like, all right, Andrew can come now. And he was born less than 24 hours later. And I said that in first service, and I forgot to say this in second service. My dad, actually, the next week, whenever we brought Andrew home from the hospital, he was like, man, you weren't kidding. Like, exactly. But what happened was we knew that we had a deadline, right? We knew that there was a task that needed to be finished, and it needed to be finished by a certain time because there were resources that we needed to create literally there so that the next stage in our life could begin, okay? We had a son who was coming. We had a house that we had to finish, and we knew that we had to get it done in a certain time so that the son that was going to be born had a home to come home to. Make sense? But if we would have dragged our feet and would have said, oh, like, whatever, we would have literally been bringing Andrew home to a half-finished house. And we would have had resources tied up that could have delayed things. Does that make sense? So in our lives, whenever we find ourselves going, God, I know the task that you've given me, and I want to do my best to accomplish it, we need to make sure that we are continuing to give God what we have and not half of our best because God always gives us 100%. Amen? So we got to make sure that we don't find ourselves. And look, there are many tasks in life. There are many things in the kingdom of God that take different times than others. So that's not saying we got to get everything done fast. It's saying we get it done in the time and the way that we know God wants us to do it because we don't want to find ourselves tying up resources literally for the next thing that he wants to do in our lives. I don't know about you, but I know God has a plan for my life, and I believe he has a plan for each one of your lives, and I don't want to see any of those derailed or the timetable be backed up. Amen? What God wants to do in my life and what he wants to do in your life, I want to get it done because I know he has good things in store for me, and I know he has good things in store for you. Amen? All right. So what happens when we finish? It shows value. And then it opens up resources for something else. Let's look at that in Scripture. Hebrews 5, verse 12. It says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. See, there were things that God wanted them to do that the writer of Hebrews was addressing. There's things that God wants you to be doing right now, teaching educating others on the things of God. But because they were delayed in this process over here, in this task, and what was that? Growing past just the, just the basic things. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with basics. We've got to start with the basics. If you don't have a proper foundation for a house, you're going to have a troubled house. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with that. But what was being said by the writer of Hebrews was, you have been for so long in this time of the basics that by now you should be past this foundational stuff because there's a plan that God has for you. God desires that you be at this level so that you can teach those down here what you've learned. But you're not here yet. You've taken too long and you're down here. And there's still people that have to teach you. You should be teaching others by now. You get what I'm saying? There were things that God wanted them to do, but they couldn't accomplish this because they were still tied up in the previous task. So what we see, what we have to realize, again, like we said, we don't want to delay what God wants to do in our lives. We don't want to hurry it up. We don't want to get ahead of God, but we certainly don't want to delay it. 
by saying, God, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to figure it out, and, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get around to it, right? The tasks that God gives us, let us accomplish them with the best that we can, and we will see that we will have new resources available for the very next thing because I had to raise a child, obviously, and I had to raise a child in a home, and I didn't have to raise my child in a very small apartment because of what I did and what I accomplished with the help of my family and everyone else. I was able to have more resources, more space, more things to raise my child in. Does that make sense? So when we accomplish the things of God, not only does it free up our resources, but it creates more resources for the next thing that He wants to do in our lives. And so the last thing that happens whenever we finish is it proves we can be trusted. It proves we can be trusted. I'm sure most of us in here probably started off when we were younger with little odd jobs, right? Anybody ever had started off with little odd jobs? Maybe it was an uncle or a boss or a father or a grandfather. Hey, I want you to go do this for me. And then what happened? You went and you did it and you came back. And when you did that right a few times, maybe you were taught whatever process it was. And then the next time I was like, hey, the next time you do this, can you do this and this? Anybody ever had that happen to them before growing up? Why? Because you were showing that you could be proven responsible with a task. And then whenever you proved yourself responsible with that task, you were given more responsibility. Same thing in the kingdom of God. When we finish what God asks us to do, we can be trusted with more. Plain and simple. I love how reality, the life that we live, God created this world that we live in. Not only that, he created each and every one of us. So the life that we live and the things that we do, they speak to the character of God. And if that happens, then how much more so at the kingdom of God? So when we show God that we can accomplish the tasks in his way that he gives us to do, he knows that he can trust us with more. Matthew 25, verse 21 says this, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I really hope that that is what God says about me. And I hope that it's the same for each and every one of us in here. You know, if you've ever had, you know, put together what's, obviously we all know what a resume is. You know, a resume is something that basically shows your track record. All right? If you're looking, if you've left one job and you're looking for another job, you give them a resume. And this is, hey, this is the track record of completion. It's basically what you're showing a potential employer. This is what I've accomplished. This is what I can do. And so obviously, if there is a track record that shows that you know how to complete things and get things done, then you become a valuable prospect to be hired for that company, right? But if you have a spotty work history that shows you start things and you never finish them, then this is what it shows that person. A track record of unfinished efforts shows that you know how to waste and not win, it shows you know how to disappoint and not deliver, and it shows you know how to procrastinate and not produce. I'll say that again. It shows that you know how to waste and not win. It shows that you know how to disappoint and not deliver and procrastinate and not produce. Now, I want to take a second here and kind of just break this down really quick because I don't want any of us to think that our relationship with God is all about what we do, okay? That's not what I'm saying. It is part of it. But it is not all of it, all right? As I said, there are things that God wants us to do. But the reason that God wants us to do it is because we're serving his kingdom together. Amen? We're in this thing together. We're part of the family of God, okay? 
And when I was part of a family, there were things that I had to do for my family because there were things we did that made our family go. And I did it because I loved my family, because I knew my father loved me. Yeah, there were some days like, hey, you're my son, and there's some things you got to do. That's okay. It was responsibility of the house, all right? And so as part of the family of God, there are things that we do as sons and daughters of God that he wants us to do. But the difference is, is we change our mind to go, I get to do this. Does that make sense? I get to do this. When we have a truly life-changing revelation of who God is and we surrender our lives to him, that's whenever we go, God, I'm not just going to do out of obligation. I'm going to do out of adoration. Does that make sense? We change our thinking. And so whenever that happens, we don't just say, so instead of it sounding like a negative thing, waste and not win, instead what that turns into is, God, I don't want to waste what you've given me. I don't want to waste the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you've given to me. I don't want to waste the opportunity that you've given to me. I want to win because you win. You don't lose. How many of you are glad we're on the winning side? Okay? God, I know that you are a winner. You cannot be defeated. As such, that's what I want in my life and the life of my family. And so, God, when you have me do things, not only for my family but for the family and the kingdom of God, I don't want to waste what you've given to me. I want to win with it, God. The things and the opportunities that you've given to me, I want to deliver. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't think there's a person in here among us who doesn't know what it means to have somebody in their life that they don't want to disappoint. Maybe a father, it may not, but I know that there's someone, or I believe that every one of us in here has someone in their lives that they came up going, man, I don't want to blow it for that guy. Man, I think so highly of that person. I think so highly of of that individual. I don't want to blow it for them. Because you truly care what that person thinks. And guys, I truly care what the Father thinks about me. And I believe that we do as well. His word is full of promises about what he thinks about us. His thoughts towards us are endless. He loves us so much, he sent his own son to die for us. That's what he thinks of us. As such, I don't want to disappoint my God. I want to deliver. I want to make sure that what he's given to me and when he's asked me to do something, that I do it. Because there have been plenty of times in my life that I have not delivered. And I have disappointed myself. And that's just me. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody else. I got all the fingers pointing at me this morning for that particular point. All right? So, because that's what I'm saying. I don't want, that's why I'm bringing the point back. I don't want it to just seem like, well, it's all about what you do for God. No, it's, it's all about what we get to do for God. And in our hearts, we go, God, the tasks that you've given, I want to do them well. God, I don't want to waste. I don't want to disappoint. And then the last one he said is procrastinate and not produce. And um, some of us work well under pressure. Some of us work better with, you know, long, um, you know, long periods of time to get a task done. I told the story in first service when I was in high school um, in my senior English class our teacher said that we had, this is one of our projects, and she told us, if you wait until the night before to do this, you will not get an A. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Now, let's not bring up the fact that I stayed up until 4 a.m., 
working on this project. I couldn't even function for the rest of the day at school, and I had an extracurricular activity where people were counting on me, and I could not even barely comprise a sentence. <laughs> but I got an A. <laughs> a fact I made sure to let her know whenever she handed it to me. Two points away from a perfect. But that's not what we're talking about right now. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the kind of procrastination we're talking about. However, okay, yes, did I get it done? Right. But let's look at all the things that it produced <laughs> that were not good in me, okay? I was no good to anybody for the next day, and I was needed, okay? There were things that I was needed for, not just in school, but that kind of thing. So when we procrastinate, a lot of times it goes back to that thing about tying up resources, right? And then whenever we rush, we can produce, but it's not always going to be the quality that God wants from us. And so, again, it's just saying, God, I want to give my best for you because I know you gave your best for me. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste opportunities because, God, I'm imperfect, and I do it plenty of times because it's in my nature. But, God, I've got to remember, Lord, the depth and the just absolute immeasurable amount of your love for me and how much you believe in me and how much he believes in you. And whenever I know that, that's like, God, I've, I've got to do my best for you. So, God, I want to be somebody I want to be somebody that you can trust. I want to be somebody that can be trusted. It's, I, I wrote right here, God is looking for those that he can entrust his heart and his plan to. Think about that. You literally have an opportunity to be entrusted with a piece of the plan for this world, right? That's amazing. And God, I want to do it well. Let's be those people that God can trust, right? Right? So those are some of the things that happen when we finish. Just a quick recap. When something is finished, it shows value, it opens resources, and it proves that we can be trusted. So how do we finish? Okay, how do we finish? One of the things we do is we need to learn to look and listen for what he's calling us to do. John chapter 5, verse 19 says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does, all right? So this is Jesus telling his disciples, look, you want to know where I get my marching orders from? I look to see what he does. I look to see what he's doing, and I do that, right? And if you were here last week and you heard Pastor Quentin's sermon, we've uh, mentioned it several times. If not, be sure to go take a listen to it on the podcast. But one of the things that he mentioned was in the book of John chapter 2. So let's back it up for a second, verse 5. It says, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Pretty cut and dry. Jesus is going, okay, I see the Father doing this, so these are the marching orders that I'm giving. Hey, this is what I want you to do. What we can take away from that is if we know that we are looking to see what the Father is doing and we are listening, we know that those orders can be trusted, right? We know that it's something that we can believe in. If I know that they come from God, if I know that it's something that God is telling me to do, then I realize it's something that has come straight from heaven. And because I'm looking just the way that Jesus looked, and then I'm listening because Jesus told his followers or his mother told him, do whatever he tells you to do. So when Jesus told them to do that, they did it, and then they got God's results. Excuse me. There may be times when we might be tempted to do something that seems right to us like putting a wave runner where there's no loading dock. But it is not what God has for us to do. And if we're looking, if we were really looking, we would have seen this is probably not the best decision to make. But we weren't looking, right? 
So what we have to make sure that we're doing is continuing to make sure that our senses are tuned in to what God is doing and what God is saying so that we do the things that he wants us to do, not the things that might seem right to us. Even though they look good, it might not be what God wants us to do for that time. If we're watching and we're listening, we will receive the correct directives. All right, so another way that we finish, we trust in his strength, we trust in his plan, not our own. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Somebody say amen. That means right there that the plans that God has for you, the plans that he has set you off on, if you are walking in trust in him, he will finish them no matter what the enemy tells you. That's listening. The task that God has set you out on, if you are giving it your all, he will finish it in you. Trust in his strength and not your own. There may be times when what God has called us to do might be the simplest task, like going across the street and giving somebody a glass of cold water in Jesus' name. Or there may be times where he's called us to do something that is so beyond what we can even imagine accomplishing. But in every situation, doing it in his name and doing it in his strength will produce his results. The final way that I'm going to bring today that we finish is very simple. Don't give up. Don't give up. And I realize, I recognize, sometimes it's very easy to stand up here and to say those things. And I've said it to people before, and I've had people said it to me before, and there have been times where somebody's told me that, and I just wanted to slap them across the face. Okay? Because sometimes, oh, don't give up, brother. You'll make it is not what you want to hear. Amen? Okay? Look, I've said, it, I've said it before. I don't think that God is afraid of our questions. I don't think that God is afraid of our bad days. Just go read the book of Psalms. If you haven't, Take a look. I promise you, you'll, you'll, you'll get a smile across your face. You've got King David who wrote most of the book of Psalms going like, you know, God, I love you. God, I trust you. God, you're amazing. And then like in the next chapter, God, we need to talk. I need to understand. I need to know what's going on. I got these guys trying to kill me. They're laughing like we need to talk, but I still trust you. You know, that's the book of Psalms to me. And so when I read that, what that shows me is that God is not afraid of our bad days. God is not afraid of the moments where we want to deck the messenger that he sent to tell us don't give up. But it doesn't change the fact that we still need to not give up. Because if we truly are set out on a task that God has given us, even when we feel our strength is failing, we need to trust and believe that God has given us his strength. And if he has set us off to do it, he will give us the strength to accomplish it. We just need to not give up. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Let's go back. I read it earlier, but we'll just cut straight to verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. From the previous points, we know this, that if we know that we have God's word and his strength on our side, we can press on, even when everything in and around us screams to give up. Because I'm telling you right now, there are going to be days where you are pressing on, like Paul said, where you are running this race that God has had you to do. You are working to accomplish the things that he's put in your life. You are doing all that you can to get it accomplished. And it seems like you're having obstacle after obstacle and delay after delay and problem after problem. And sometimes you may feel like you just want to throw your hands and go, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel. God, I, am, I don't know what else to do. I am trying to do it as best I can, and I don't know what else to do. 
that may be a moment for us to kind of just stand back for a second and go, am I trying to do this in my own strength? Because in that moment, that may be where God comes alongside of us and says, you know what, let's just have a sit for a second, okay? Let's not put that towel down. Let's just have a sit for a moment, okay? Now, I've given you the strength to finish this because I promised you I'd never leave you and I'd never forsake you. And I've given you this task to finish, and it's you that has to finish it because he promised us that he would be with us, church. Don't you see? Remember that. Even whenever it feels like everything is beating against you, if you know that God has set you on it, when everything is telling you that it's time to just put it to bed, don't give up because the finish may look different than what you think, but God wants you to finish. We're going to close with this. In 1992, Derek Redmond was a British sprinter. He was favored to medal in the Barcelona Olympics 400-meter relay. Now, prior to the 1992 Olympics, he had a pretty successful running career, but many injuries and many surgeries had really delayed his progress. He'd had multiple surgeries and just a lot of setbacks. Again, a successful runner, but he had just had delay after delay and injury and, and many surgeries. But when he was heading into the 92 Olympics, he was in really good form. And by the time of the Olympics, he had posted the fastest time in the first round, and he went on to win the quarterfinal round, okay? So maybe you found yourself in this place before. God, I've had delay after delay after delay. And then you finally find yourself where it's like, man, it seems like it's smooth sailing, right? And then out of nowhere, something happens. And that's what happened to Derek. When he was heading in to the semifinal rounds, he had started well, but in the back straight, about 250 meters from the finish, disaster struck, and his hamstring tore. And if you've ever had that injury before, that's not something you're going to be able to just shake off. In the middle of the race, in the middle of a great pace, in the middle of a great start, I've won my quarterfinal, I set the time on the first one, things are looking amazing. Yes, there's the finish line in view. Boom. And then you get sideswiped with something. But what happened in that moment, Derek made a decision in that moment that changed everything. And the watching world got to see a picture of the strength that can come when you are determined to finish. So what happened was Derek did finish that race, leaning on the strength of his father who saw his son struggle from the stands and broke through security and all of the Olympic Committee trying to stop him from running out on the field because he saw his son struggling. But he saw in his son a determination that he wasn't going to quit. The funny thing is, I can't tell you who won that race. Most people can't. But everybody who remembers the 92 Olympics remembers the story of Derek Redmond because he finished well. His ending didn't finish like he thought it was going to, but he finished well because he said, no matter what, I have to finish this race. And then what happened in that moment is that it drew the love of his father to him. And church, let me tell you something this morning. That's one of the most beautiful pictures of a father's love that I've ever seen. Because you can't imagine, if you've been an athlete, the disappointment that came in that moment. Getting yourself in top physical condition to represent your country, working as hard as you can, having so many setbacks, and then in one moment, 
everything you've worked for is derailed and stopped and halted. But what happened in that moment is that Derek decided that he was going to finish. But then as his father came to him, he was able to pour all of his disappointment. He was able to pour everything that he was feeling in that moment. And what did his father do? His father said, it's okay, son. It's okay. I'm right here for you. Let's cross together. Let's cross the finish line together. You know, three of the most powerful words ever uttered on this earth were, it is finished. When Jesus completed his work on the cross and he died for our sins, but you know, the interesting thing is, Jesus did it alone, without his Father. And the reason for that is because up until that point, we lived in a world separated by sin. We lived in a fallen world that had been cut off from the close loving relationship that our Heavenly Father wanted to have with us. See, God had started this work of creation that was designed for us to be free, to be with the Creator of this world, but our enemy had started a work to keep us forever separated. And so what God did was He sent His Son down into the world to take the penalty for all of our sins and to cross the finish line alone so that we would never have to. So the picture that we just saw up there could be the reality of us with our Heavenly Father. Whether we cross the finish line, the things that God has given us to do with full sprint or just hobbling to get to the end, God is there with us and He said, I will be with you. Because of Jesus finishing what He started, we now have access to a loving Father who will give us the strength to stand with Him and finish everything He's called us to do. And when we finish what God has us start, it shows others that in His strength, so can they. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. God, I'm grateful that You finished what You started. I'm grateful that You finished what You started because that means we have a home to live in today and we have a life to live with You. We don't have to be separated from You, God. We don't have to be eternally separated from You. We don't have to not know what it's like to have Your love poured out on us because You finished what You started. Lord, there are those of us in here who know what it's like to walk through struggles and to walk through turmoil and to come out victorious on the other side because You finish what You start. Lord, when You begin a work in us, You are faithful to complete it. Lord, it may not always be in the timetable that we think. It may not always be in the way that we want, but You finish what You start, God. And because of that, we can walk free today, free to live, free to love You, free to be with You, God, free from the bonds of slavery, of sin and sickness and all the junk that our enemy tries to put on us to keep us bound. We don't have to walk in that because You finish what You start. I thank you so much, God, that you are the perfect picture. Yes, that is a beautiful representation that we just watched on that screen. But, Lord, it's, a, it's an example, God, because you're the one who started it. You are the one who showed us what it means to be a father. And, Lord, I realize today that there may be, Lord, some people in here, God, that maybe this is a difficult day, God, maybe because of the loss of a father or because maybe a difficult relationship with a father. And I don't say those things lightly. I say that to go, Lord, you know what we're going through. And because you are the perfect father, Lord, 
As we've sung before, you're a good father. Lord, and your goodness is literally chasing after us. It's running after us, God, just like that father did in the story of the prodigal son. Lord, you keep your eyes open for us, Lord. And when we come, Lord, you are right there. You are right there, Father, ready to run, ready to be with us. Say, put your weight on me. If you're stumbling, put your weight on me. Let me carry you. If you're struggling, put your weight on me. If you're needing wisdom, put your weight on me. If you need help finishing, put your weight on me. Rely on my strength. I'm here for you. And so we thank you for that, God. Lord, if there's anyone in here today that has not made that decision, that very foundational decision to where it all starts to say, God, I surrender my life to you. God, I want you to, I want you to come and I want you to live into my heart. If we haven't even accepted that, that's where it starts is the acceptance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us so that we could go back to having that relationship with the Father. If you've been struggling with that decision, you say, I don't know if I can finish it. I don't know if I can finish this thought process. I don't know. Maybe I've tried to pray the prayer before. or Maybe I've tried to start living that life before, but you can't finish it and you can't take that through to completion. Let the Father draw you in today. And God, I pray that they would finish that prayer. They would finish that decision and make a decision for you today because it's a decision that is life-changing and it leads us to a life like no other. And so, God, for those of us that are living, Lord, in living this life with you and walking it out, God, we may find ourselves at times, Lord, where we're struggling to get things finished, things that we know you've called us to do, or maybe we're walking through things and we wish that they would be finished, God, purposes and promises and different things, God. But I pray today, Lord, that we would hear the words that you have spoken to us and that we would remember and that we would trust, God, that it is finished. And because you finished what you started, you give us the strength, Lord, to walk in that power of completion. God, I thank you so much for each and every person in here. And God, I ask that you would continue to give them your strength, that you would continue to give them your assurance that you are for them, not against them, that you are with them, not away from them. And Lord, that as we rely on you and as we walk with you and as we do it your way, we will see your results because God, we love you so much. And Lord, we thank you for this day. We give you honor and we give you glory. Be with us, Lord, as we go out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.